It's time for another episode of Doogie All-Stars with your host, Tecmo Super Bowl, Nixon the Grouch, and 2-4 Offsuit. Welcome to episode 21 of Badoogie All-Stars. This is Tecmo Super Bowl. This is Nixon the Grouch. 2-4 offsuit. Uh, so what's going on? Well, we have a new website. That's pretty exciting. That's what I've been working on in all of my what would be poker time. So now our site doesn't look like garbage. I think it looks really sexy. Where's the site located again? It's at badoogieallstars.com. Ah, creative. Yeah, I picked that very carefully. It was that or try and find the secret website dot net. Dot <laughs> net. Try and find the secret website dot com is taken. Well, no, that'd be easier to find. This is how I was hiding it because dot net is tricky. Uh, I get it now. But yeah, so everybody can go there. You can you know find our Facebook page, our Twitter, recent episodes, upcoming guests. All that good stuff will be in one place rather than us having to list seven things at the end of the episode. <laughs> But really, like it's worth it. That's a very good idea. Yeah, I thought of it myself. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, what's going on with you, Tom? Um, not much. I played in a tournament rec- recently, uh, my home game uh, that is going to become infamous, I have a feeling. Um, uh, it was it was our quote unquote high rollers tournament because we usually play like thirty five dollar buy in, maybe fifty dollar buy in, and this is a hundred dollar buy in. Yeah, so Did you sell pieces or how could you afford that? <laughs> yeah, I I just took my merge roll um, and left it on merge, and then came up with a hundred dollars. <laughs> um, <laughs> Since and... it was a home game, did you just collect everybody else's money and then not put your own in? Um, no, I did Banking not. Banking on winning it? I, I did, did bank on winning it, though. Did anybody notice that you're one of the best in your home game? <laughs> um, no. Surpri- uh, I was... Tom? He thinks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody from your home game listen to this? No. Not at all. Not if yet. they did, they still wouldn't believe he's one of the best because they've seen him play poker. They wouldn't realize who I am because they're they just that think- bad. <laughs> They're not good at poker or voice analysis. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Or people being referred to by their first name. Um, I did play an interesting hand uh, in that tournament. I did not win it somehow. I don't know. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is actually really good because Tom sent me this hand via email, and I'm going to read it out loud here. All right, Player A has 8-6 suited. Player B has X. Solve for X. Also, based on X, what should player A do? Who sends a hand history like that? Like, Hold on. <laughs> do I need graph paper? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> this is the worst hand history that I've ever been sent. It's a live hand history. X. Solve for X. Also, based on X, what should player A do? You said solve for X. It's not because it's live. It's because you wrote solve for X in an email. <laughs> Yeah. There's no online <laughs> hand history that's exactly the same except the word solve <laughs> So check out these player descriptions of the players in his home game. And keep in mind, these, these could be anyone. But 
Player A is a decent reg with some leaks, and player B is a good, solid player, probably one of the best in the game. I didn't say that. <laughs> Spoiler alert, uh, player B could really, truly be anyone, but it's Tom. <laughs> the big blind is a fish. Player A has 13k, player B has 14k, the blinds are 100, 200, and a 25 ante. Is player B eating dessert at any point in the hand? <laughs> Player A raises pre under the gun, eight-handed to 500. B wipes the crumbs off of his mouth <laughs> and calls in the cutoff. The big blind calls as well. No, I know it's not Tom. He never wipes his face. He just eats. Flop comes queen of clubs, eight of diamonds, six of spades. So queen eight, six rainbow. Big blind checks. A bets 16.25. B calls. Big blind folds. Now on the pot, forty nine fifty. And, and clubs. we're uh, eight six suited for player A, so he has bottom two. Just to recap. So Y equals eight six suited. <laughs> <laughs> the turn is the jack of clubs. Now making the board queen of clubs, eight of diamonds, six of spades. A bets thirty one hundred, and B calls. There's now eleven hundred twenty five or eleven thousand twenty five hundred in the pot. Wait, what? Uh, <laughs> you're never going to be able to solve for X now <laughs> I know uh, River is the 9 of hearts making it a 1 liner to the straight backdoor flush didn't come in and player A checks player B, Tom, now decides to bet player A has 7,700 left and Million. Player, player B decides to bet 4,100 and then we go back and forth, uh, trying to tease information out of him, which is very difficult. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't understand why you couldn't just answer the damn question. <laughs> because he doesn't have enough info to solve for X. There was so much info in that email. He, yeah, he ate cake and then bat. What do you need? <laughs> so basically, Tom does not have a 10 here, and he's asking if it's a good bluff or not. He was, he was playing his sugar rush. <laughs> Doyle always says the play Yeah, Doyle. Until you become diabetic. <laughs> Is Doyle diabetic? <laughs> so, uh, Tom was asking me if I, I thought his bluff was good there. And I wondered what he even got to the river with that, that wasn't a 10 that felt that he needed to bluff. But he says that he had. What did you have? I didn't say. You did say. He's trying to trick you into telling <laughs> I didn't. I never told you. You did tell me. Okay, then what was it? Ace four of clubs. Is All that right, it? I told you. <laughs> back, back door flush draw. Yeah, I thought I didn't tell you, and you were just trying to weasel that out of me. Um, yeah, I had ace four of clubs, which I you know called with pre. I think that's pretty standard. We had deep, relatively deep stacks, um, and I'm going to be in position, and a, and a likely fish coming along in the blinds. Uh, so I don't I don't see any problem there, do you? Uh, not really. I mean, still like you're a little bit deep, but because you're deep, that means that the the blinds and antes haven't really gone up a ton yet. So winning, you know, a medium sized or large pot here isn't even going to set you up that good to uh, you know actually make money in the tournament. You know, if you lose a medium or big sized pot early in early on then you're not doing so hot and your chances of making any money in the tournament go significantly down. I guess it goes back to when I was playing 
like I'm sure we all started out playing sit and goes, where you just pretty much play nitty for until, like you said, the blinds and Annie's get up there, and then you open up. And so you decided to take that knowledge and do the opposite? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> pretty standard. So, no, I mean, how aggressive a player is A? Um, I would say somewhat. No, um, I, I mean, he he knows how to fold, um, or at least he used to, not recently, but, uh, <laughs> and not specifically in this hand. But, no, he's he's one of the better players, so, you know, I would... Yes. I thought that was player B. <laughs> B is one of the players. This guy may be one of the better. Um, no, so anyway, he, he's one of the better ones, so it's he's someone you can actually attempt to bluff where, you know, you don't really want to generally bluff too many of the weaker players. And so your plan to bluff was to call down? No, no, it was to float the flop and take it away on the turn if he checked. Um, but then I turned the flush draw... Um, and so then I thought, okay, I can call and either hit on the river or bluff if, uh, a good card comes, which the nine was a beautiful card. So it was queen, eight, six, jack, nine, like, uh, Jordan said, putting a one liner to a straight out there. And I just felt like as soon as player a checked the river, he just never has a strong hand. His range is, is capped there. And a, uh, a a bet whether it's a shove or more more of like a post oak value or I mean a post oak bluff on the river should represent a good amount of strength. Do you think if, if you had bet bigger on the river, he might have folded? I, I in retrospect, I mean hindsight is obviously twenty twenty, but at the time I was thinking this guy's a good a decent hand reader, and I thought maybe a, a smaller bet. You know, the added benefits of not only not risking as much, but might look more like a value bet as opposed to a shove might look a little bit more bluffy and he might his calling range might uh, widen. But now looking back on it, again, I mean, this is biased because I know he called the smaller bet, but part of me does think that if I shove there, um, sure, I'm risking more of my stack and, and pretty much my, my, my entire tournament. Um but, and even if it does look a little bit bluffier, I, I, it's just, it makes him call for his tournament life, and it makes it that much harder of a call. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not like it would be an overbet or anything. He's got 7,700 left, and the pot's 11,000. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not an overbet. 11,000, 5,000, 2,500. Yeah, I mean, it's that's another, like, it's key point is that, you know, an overbet might might look definitely like you know way more bluffy but the fact that it's actually just a normal bet that i could possibly make with a 10 excuse me um it, you know gives merit to doing that and and i think looking back on it i probably should have shoved because i think you know when it's one thing to make like a crying call knowing you still have even if it's only you know, 3,000 left or something like that, mm -hmm. um, you still have a life and you can still kind of like rationalize, oh, I'll just double up and then be back in it. Yep. Yeah, I think that any time that you see somebody who has like a pot size bet or less left, and I mean, this is primarily cash, but I, I would assume that, you know, it applies to tournaments as well. 
especially with the tournament life thing, if they bet less than that when they could have, you know, just gone all in and have it be a normal size bet, is that usually they're just trying to bluff cheap. So, yeah, I didn't... I, Go ahead. it looks like you're leaving yourself room to like still be in the tournament to someone who's thinking about I don't want to lose my turn- tournament life. I need to stay in. It's like, oh, he didn't bet at all. So I don't know. Yeah. But to me, psychologically, I think you're going to get a lot more crying calls. Yeah, and again, I think we're and unfortunately, I think we're all biased here because we know that we know the outcome. But that being said, I still think I, I agree with what's being said. I don't I think we should I, not get into the spot in the first place. <laughs> what about raising the turn? Uh, I don't really like that either because if you raise the turn, I mean, like shipping the turn. I guess it. I mean, I. I forget the bet amounts, but it, it, I think it would have been be a like, ship. It would have had to been a ship. But. Yeah, that's. I mean, it puts him in a tough spot if he has like king queen or something like that, or ace queen. But even with you know aces or something, like any one pair hand, I think that's good enough to bet the turn for most people. They're probably not planning on folding. Um, the board didn't really get scarier. I mean, like. I mean, Queen-Jack uh, got there, which is definitely in my range for, for calling pre and the flop. Yeah. Um, See, there's, that. Some, there's two there's two pair hands that would have gotten there, right? I mean, it, the turn card was fairly coordinated. So like, Queen-Jack got there and 8-Jack got Yeah, not, not so much 8-Jack, but, like, if, you know, I, I'm definitely representing 6s, 8s, and Queen-Jack if I shove the turn. Unfortunately, obviously, this particular time he wouldn't believe the the sixes or eights because he has eight six but i think in general uh the the turn shove would look like something like how you would play sixes eights or even queen jack my advice is don't try and play your hand like a set when you're bluffing and use that as an excuse like oh i played it like i would have played a set okay (laughs) that sounds like like a live player (laughs) <laughs> logic <laughs> when they make a crazy bluff that they don't really doesn't make a lot of sense i think that in general just like playing tighter at this stage and giving yourself a better chance to you know stay in the tournament would be better than you know, trying to monkey around getting like half of your stack involved or all of your stack involved with eight people left yeah out of nine this is what i struggle with for, for two main reasons well all right. One is is somewhat boredom. Um, I've <laughs> I, I've I know how to play tight in in the beginning of tournaments. I know how to play like I'm not freaking Phil Ivy. I don't I, you know I have leaks obviously, but I feel very confident in in my play, and I know like you know how to play pretty much a, a tag tight you know optimal style of tournaments, especially in the beginning. Um, and then steal pots later on and shove in correct areas and stuff like that. Um, oh, you're one of the best. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but part of me, you know, like I said, is boredom. But the other part is, you know, you always hear about stuff like uh, like Vanessa Selps, like pulling off these crazy bluffs, building up monster stacks, and and doing these crazy things. Now, I don't know how much of that is true, Um it's all true, obviously. Well, I mean, and she, she she obviously has a great deal of success, but it it makes me want to try new things, even if they might not be as plus EV as as you know, just say folding 
pre-flop. You know, it makes me want to try to find areas where I would pick up chips that I normally couldn't otherwise. But I think well, some of that comes, though, from her the player pool she's playing against. Yeah, I yeah. definitely or agree. thinking at a completely different level than a home game player pool is going to think. Yeah. Like, yeah, when she when she five bet ships it on Scott Seaver, it's much different than me doing that against some guy in my home game. Also, think about like where your edge is going to come. Like most live players are just terrible at like late game situations. They don't call nearly wide enough. They don't shove nearly wide enough. As opposed to you know, if she just sat back and waited in her tournaments until it got to that stage, she wouldn't have like a significant edge in the you know push fold stages. Yeah, that's true. As, as much as you have in your home game, presumably. Yeah. Definitely not presumably. But, I mean, I think you could have <laughs> run this guy off the hand by shoving the river, and it is an aggressive pick-up-chip sort of play. It's just also very, very risky. Yeah, it's unnecessarily you her, risky. You look at her results, and she doesn't – there aren't a lot of tournaments where she, like, squeaks into day two, and, like, it's either she goes big or goes home a lot of the time, and I think that's – that works against – different player pool than you're playing against yeah so i think i could i could probably just be content being one of the best (laughs) (laughs) okay have another piece of cake and just hang out sounds good you guys have desserts and and refreshments there um in the the monthly cash game that we play yeah this this uh older lady who comes who's really really nice and she has this habit of um just building a huge stack because for whatever reason people try to bluff her constantly i don't ever bluff her um and my buddy that i that came one time i was like look don't bluff mary um and uh he just tried to bluff her in one big pot and it's like i just watch her stack chips all night but then at the end she's just like really nice so she's just trying to give all the chips away by, by the end of the night um but she brings all kinds of cookies and brownies and stuff but you didn't write it not to the high roller one you don't bring cookies and brownies to a high roller van <laughs> and somebody's gonna bring caviar uh yeah i don't know i don't know why she wasn't there at the the tournament but... lobster and caviar <laughs> just champagne for everybody um oh, cool. so yeah any anything else going on mm. jordan have you done anything no <laughs> nope how's your girlfriend nope uh, her knees, her knees, feeling a lot better, um, but still, I mean, it's bruised up pretty, pretty ugly. Is she keeping it up when she ices it? And by that, I mean on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I actually thought about that later on, and I, I think I get what you guys are saying, even though I still, obviously, am one of the best in my home game. Um, and determining <laughs> directions. Yeah. No, like for me, I was saying hand up as opposed to palm up. Yeah, yes. and we were saying we palm up, and you were disagreeing with us, despite the words we were saying. Yeah, exactly. Right. We so know. We know. what you're saying is by us using more descriptive languages, d- descriptive language to explain things, we threw you off, and you just said something illogical. Mm, no. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> now that there's three people we can vote, you are definitely wrong. <laughs> a majority. Um. All right. I, are we gonna? Is it time for hugging the rail now? I think it is. It is. Um, Maybe we can all get along. And <laughs> hug it out. Maybe we'll just do one group hug real quick to get warmed up, and then we'll bring TJ on. Nah. Hey, don't touch me there. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the Dane Cook uh, game that he says, 
uh, who's in my mouth. Yeah, that, that does not remind me of that at all. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was uncomfortable. It was, a, yeah, it was almost as uncomfortable as watching some of Dane Cook's later stand-up, but... All right. Well, we're going to throw it to TJ's segment now. Uh, I think he's reviewing the MGM Poker Room. So we are back with our best friend, TJ, and this is the second version of Hugging the Rail. And what are we going to be talking about today? Which casino room are we going to be focusing on? First off, I don't think we should start a podcast with a lie by calling me your best friend. That's true. I said our best friend. Seems like a stretch. Collectively, you are our best friend. Well, to be fair, we aren't starting the podcast right now, so... Yeah, this is just the only part. We're starting your part of the podcast. Yep. With that god-awful lead-in music, which I appreciate. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been playing a lot at um, MGM lately. They have, a, they have a big tournament series coming up, so I've been playing over there, checking out the room, which they actually just moved because they're doing construction. Their main room is – their main room I actually wasn't a fan of. It's right next to the... They have this big bar in the middle, and they just have music blasting basically over the poker room. Isn't there a poker room right next to the like the Tiger Bin area? Tiger and, Bin? Well, Tiger Cage? It's not a cage. It's like a glassed-in area. Like, like with live tigers in it? Yeah. Is that a different casino yeah. am I thinking of? Possibly. I, I think that's Mirage. Mirage. The MGM nope. has tigers. Yeah, the MGM. I'm pretty sure that's the where I played. Don't have tigers anymore after what happened. Yeah, I, I don't think. think... <laughs> Come pet S- the tigers. Sensitive oh, subject. So sensitive <laughs> subject. I'm not sure if they moved it or not. Right now, it, it's it was next to. I think it's called like the centrifuge. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, there's this. Is big that where there's a tiger there. spinning in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> you have to catch it by its tail. By the way. It was lions, by the way. Just oh, like, lions? Okay. Remember the beginning of the MGM movies where the tigers roar? <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Makes sense. Um, but yeah, but they moved it. They're, uh, they're doing construction on that bar, so they moved it um, just right across the way. So it's actually, it, it feels like there's a little more space and it's quieter, which is nice. Did they allow they smoking? Okay, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I forgot this is your thing, but I was just curious, uh, uh, do they allow smoking? Do they what? Do they allow smoking? No, there's no smoking in the poker area. Okay. It's, it's kind of just an area right now, not a room. And they're moving, there's, there's maybe six or seven rows of slot machines that they're moving out for this Grand Challenge tournament series they're doing. Actually, starts tomorrow. Sweet. Are they moving... The- did they move the room because they're expanding it, or they're just putting it in a different place? They just moved the room because they're doing construction on the bar next to the where the poker room was. Okay. So they're actually not changing anything for the poker room. They just have a, a temporary area right now. But okay. I, from what they've told me, they're moving it back once they're done with that. 
Gotcha, gotcha. How big is the room itself? How many tables would you say? I think it's about 25 tables, which as far as they, they consider it one of the big rooms. I know Venetians, something ridiculous, like 70. And then um, I, I think Caesars and like Caesars is pretty much the same size as MGM, if I recall. So they consider it one of the big rooms in Vegas. But um, the reason I've been playing it is because, actually because I'm too lazy to drive three more exits to go to the other big rooms. <laughs> That's literally the only reason. So convenience, convenience a big factor. How's the coffee? Coffee's not bad. Not as good as Bellagio, but it's not bad. Their chairs are awful. They don't have the, the adjusting chairs. Ooh. And it does it does some work on my lower back, but uh, do they offer it hard to drive three more exits? Right. What's that? Probably makes it hard to drive the extra three exits with your back all messed up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Vicious cycle. Do they uh, do they offer massages there? Have the masseuses? They they have the masseuses, but I'm not paying for a massage while I'm playing poker. Right. It seems like part of their business plan then to keep the chairs uncomfortable. I it, guess. I mean, I don't. They they don't. They seem low to me. I don't. Their their chairs are bad, and their um, the walk from South Park to the poker room is probably the farthest that I could think of in Vegas. It's a really. It's all the way on the other side of the casino. Is masseuses also the plural of moose? What? <laughs> moose? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Look what at all those masseuses. No. Is it meese? Moose? No, it's just moose. Moose is one and moose is several. Uh. How did that... What? <laughs> it is so weird that we put you on timeout last time. With <laughs> like, I would tell you to go read a book, but I don't know if you would follow me up on that advice. Um, I have a, an actual question. Um, how are the waitresses? Old. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's there's not much not not much to look at at uh, MGM. There's about five rotating waitresses. The youngest one's probably about forty. Is that the centrifuge thing again? <laughs> <laughs> Living up to the bad jokes part of the podcast. Um, so, what would you say is good about the MGM then? I like the player pool. Um, well, I, I I work on weekends, so I play a lot during the week. Um, and outside of the big rooms, there's not much action. I mean, there's always games going. There's always tourists on the strip. But if you go to the smaller rooms in between, like, Monday and Wednesday, it's maybe one table of, of one, two, or one, three going. Um, the big rooms always have tables going. I feel like the MGM has a little older crowd than Aria or, or Bellagio. So if you, if you go on there Tuesday or Wednesday, you can... I can usually sit down with, with a table full of, of 50-year-old guys, which is pretty nice. So they, they let you pretty much take over the game and, and don't give much resistance. Do they shake your, their fists at you? They, it's actually a pretty friendly crowd compared to, I mean, it, some of these, like, I play Mirage a lot, and some of the guys in there are just sitting in there miserable, berating me for how I play. And GM seems like a little happier crowd. Nice, and they don't tell you to get off their lawn. <laughs> There's no grass in Las Vegas, actually. No, um, they lots of get... ro- ro- rocks, dust, get zero escaping. ornamental stones. 
Exactly. Um, so what would you say uh, sets the MGM apart from your other kind of standard large-ish rooms? Uh, it, it, it's a little, I would say it's more local friendly, whereas like the Aria and Bellagio Venetian, they're, they're more tourist, um, tourist spots. MGM, okay. as far as, I would say it's the best local big room. Nice. And you said that they were, they had an upcoming tournament series? Yeah, they have a really big tournament series, um. They had they this is the second year they've done it and I don't remember I wish I could remember the guy's name. He's he's a pretty pretty big um name as far as putting tournaments together. They brought him in this year and he he's doing a, they're doing a whole bunch of different events. It's apparently the structures are supposed to be really good and they're doing there's one like Chinese poker, half Chinese, half uh deuce seven uh tournament they're doing. They have a horse tourney in there. Um, a bunch of different variants on Hold'em. I'm going to try to play a couple of those. Nice. And uh, are these big buy-in events, small buy-in events? Um, they have a couple. Their main event's $1,500. The prelims are anywhere between 125 and 300 I think the only other outside of 300 is that Chinese and Deuce to 7 I think it's 1000 Are you going to get lessons from Bryce and or Tecmo on how to play that? No, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't want to bubble that tournament. Did, did, yeah, did you like, say so? You, that was the Bryce part of it. Would you like to know how to win? Talk to me. <laughs> Buying three dollars, you said? Yes, three. Okay, then I can help you. <laughs> they're, running this, they're running this huge Aces, tournament. Aces play low. Aces play low. <laughs> nice. Um, anything else that you wanted to add about the MGM and and why people should or should not go there? Um. Not that I can think of. I mean, the games are the games are good. Just there's not much much difference in too many of the one, two, one, three games throughout the week. They're all pretty loose, passive, like you would expect. When um, I've been on a nice little heater this week, so they, when you're winning and controlling the table, playing aggressive, they pretty much let you get away with whatever you want. It's kind of nice. Have you been playing at the MGM all week? Uh, for the most part, like. If I get off work and I'm not doing anything after work, I, I work at the Mirage, I'll just walk over to the poker room. Um, since I'm trying to play seriously and build up my bankroll, I, I try to stay at the big rooms because they don't take a jackpot drop. Oh, nice. That's huge. Which were, Yeah, it's really huge. And um, during the week, when MGM, one thing I like, they don't, they're not in a rush to combine their tables, so a lot of times we'll be playing six-handed. And they'll nice. let us, and they'll let us get a rake reduction on top. So I get to play six-handed with a reduced rake against a bunch of fifty-year-old men. That seems profitable. I'm not sure. It's, that that it's seems good. like that it's would good. be the best part. Yeah, it's it's a good time. I don't know. I still like the lions, <laughs> tigers. So uh, do do they have uh, higher stakes games as well? I guess they a run five or a five ten. They run two five regularly and. During the week, they have between one and two tables going. There's always about five or six one-two tables going, even on a regular Tuesday, Wednesday night. Um, the two-five, it's there, there's there's one guy in there, this English guy that I've talked to him a bit, and he says he plays professionally. It looks like he's he's crushing that game. 
Um, he's, he stands around a lot waiting for that game to run. Um, but they also run, they run a, a regular horse game and they run a regular mixed game in there. Do you know what they offer in the mix? I know it's Badoogie, Badesi, Triple Draw, and I don't know what their fourth game is. That's pretty sweet. What sta- do you know what stakes those are? It's 612. Okay, sweet. I might have to hit that up. Yeah, 600-1200. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, I think that pretty much does it, so let's bring it in real close and uh, hug it out. Let's hug it out. Thanks, TJ. We'll be right back with Jason Rosencrantz. This is Tommy Angelo, and you're listening to Badoogie All-Stars. I don't know why you would be, but apparently you are. You might want to uh, just examine what that means about your life. We are back, and we have a Mr. Jason Rosencrantz with us. Say what's up. Hello. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I am well. Tecmo Super Bowl. <laughs> um, so uh, how have things been since, uh, since Black Friday? Things have been going. Time has been going on and forward. Are you... Uh, still involved with the pokers the pokers i haven't played poker well i played i haven't played much poker i played in the world series and i probably played a few live poker sessions maybe not maybe just one in vegas maybe one other and I beta tested Zoom Poker on Play Money on Poker Stars. I played in a Micros Play Money home game. Nice. And recently I played uh, some wacky game against AI opponents, but no, I haven't really been playing. I've been watching people play, though. Not really watching them, but I've been uh, doing this video series called Creative Grinders on DC with this like think tank of... Uh, European poker stars, and uh, so I've been moderating discussion on that and talking about videos and doing some coaching. Is there a, is there a coach involved in that? Did I see that right? Uh, well, I suppose technically I'm the coach, but well, no, no, I meant like is, sounded simple. Is he part of that? Oh, is or what's his name? Simple, yeah, he's one of them, and Shuttle's in the group also. Recently, oh, okay. Recent acquisition, they're nice. pretty aggressive. Just yeah. like personally, or uh, I don't know how to answer that one. <laughs> are you asking? Are they jerks? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, not so far. I did a one with this one guy. Just meet one on one with this. Uh, I don't even want to say what country he's from because I'll get it wrong and then I'll appear worse than just saying I don't know what country he's from, but no, it's somewhere see, in the, Europe. The caveat to that Find is he would have to man. listen. 
I could name two true. countries, and it's definitely one of them, but I don't want to name the two countries. He, uh, we did one. He's a 400 NL, pretty big winner on stars, six max, and I thought we had a really good discussion. That was the latest one. It's a good episode to watch. Which episode is that? Creative Grinders episode number, the latest one. Okay. <laughs> I'll look it up. Yeah, I don't really know what it is. Is that a different numbering system than you used to use? It used to be like one to eight. It's it's somewhere in the one to eight range. I think it's five. If I had to bet it would be five, but Yeah, it's five. I find it interesting you're more willing to guess the number than the country though. Yeah, because I don't know. It's just racist in this thread. Well, I was gonna say the number the number four would be really offended otherwise. And... Well that's cool. So, so things so are going well there? With poker? With the uh, with the series. With the series, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I met Shuttle uh, at the Dodgeball DC meetup um, over the summer, and he seemed pretty cool. Yeah, how would you describe him for people? Uh, white. <laughs> uh, um, Did you find him aggressive? Dodgeball? <laughs> Actually, I don't think so. I think he was more... Loose passive, uh, but no, he's I don't know, he seemed cool. Um, he seems very analytical <laughs> at, at dodgeball, probably. When we went to Aussie Millions, Deuces Cracked, when a bunch of us went in, I want to say 2009, but it could have been 2010, can't remember, but. We went, and they have this great holiday in Australia called Australia Day, where they all get drunk and are really nationalistic in their parades and everything, and there's just a lot of drinking. And he invited us to a little barbecue at his ha- at his parents' house outside of Melbourne, and it was an amazing house and an amazing party, and there were a lot of people who got really drunk. His parents, like, the house is, like, kind of half indoors, half, like, feels like it's like a treehouse in the rainforest. All right. That's the best way I could describe it. Um, there was, like, an outdoor pool, and there were, I don't know, it was, like, living in, um, la- I don't know if you guys have seen Land of the Lost, but it kind of felt like that. Mm-hmm. Did you guys throw a shrimp on the Barbie while you were there? I feel like I have to ask that. Uh, I arrived late, and so I only got, like, some kangaroo meat. I think Mitch said kangaroo meat's pretty good. I think he said he was pretty cheap. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, cheap kangaroos means good to me. Are, I was going to say kangaroo took that as good. Is <laughs> <laughs> cheap the new word for cheap now? It, in my world, it is. The, His favorite kind of steak is Salisbury steak from Stouffer's, so that kind of gives you an idea of how he values food. I'm pretty sure kangaroos are considered pests to Australian farmers. Like rodents. They've got to be the cutest pests ever. Yeah, before they knock you out. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. That's why you have to say nice things about the, how cute they are so they don't <laughs> kick you. Um, so, so, Jay, back to poker. You didn't want to just throw, like, a thousand on merge just to mess around with or something like that? No, I mean, to me, that would just be, like, a waste of time. There'd be no end goal to it. I, I don't know played poker to make money for a long time so to play you know on the one hand it's 
would be fun to play online poker again, just to play online poker again. But that, there was an element of me not just not wanting to jeopardize any money in the gray area that seems to be um, or seem to be even more gray right after Black Friday. And then I just stopped uh, stopped seeing my mouse unconsciously look for the full tilt or the Poker Stars logo on my computer. You know, I didn't have the same itch after a while. Time goes mm-hmm. on, and it's a sad story. Yep. I could definitely see where you're coming from there, but it, it is it is fun to, to play online poker still, even if it's not, you know, the same as it used to be. Yeah. I I think yeah. Well, I think in my the arc of my career is uh Black Friday came at uh, a good uh, not necessarily a good time cuz I don't think it was a good thing to happen, but it came at maybe the right time. Mhm. Do you, if uh it gets fired up again, would you play again? Oh, dude, or hell you, yeah. <laughs> or you just yeah. moved on to the I'm uh, going to I'm going to buy, a, or, well, I probably won't have enough money to buy, but rent a castle somewhere and, <laughs> and uh, set up, like, an amazing room, maybe the throne room of the castle, where I could play on a giant screen and celebrate the uh, the return. And just one table. <laughs> no, I would be... I mean, no way. I'd be like mass multi-tabling. I, well, no, I wouldn't be mass multi-tabling. I'd probably be like six to eight tabling just to get like the junky fix of adrenaline in action. Just limit Omaha high. <laughs> um, if Do you think you'd be playing if you were not in America? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, we're all addicted to online poker, right? So it's like cutting off cutting off the supply what lengths are you willing to go to get it? I guess you could say that there's merge and I could just do that. So I'm not really willing to go that far. But uh, if it was just like right out there in front of me, poker stars, full tilt, a bonanza of fish just waiting, uh, I would be on that. And plus, poker stars has Zoom. Yeah, for sure. I, that's a, I just want to play that game for money. And even in, in England, I saw um, at least – I don't think that's the only place, but they have it on their mobile phones, I, I think. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Online poker, it's my belief that it has yet to really reach the a crescendo, despite the heights which the industry rose to during the last 10 years. I think that – it's got a long way to go still. Yeah, it feels like you could easily look back on the 2002 to 2011 like years as like the very beginnings of something. Yeah, well, if you think about it, um, it's online poker's really only been a lot around since the early 2000s. So that's you know basically 10 years, a decade, and for it was an unregulated industry. The people who were the movers and the shakers in the industry were people who didn't really know what they were doing, and they had to do it with all these uh, obstacles in their way that won't be present in a regulated industry where there's 
uh, a lot of competition, and there's the ability to use uh, television and the media to just promote this message, which can be crystal clear, like, online poker is free and legal and safe and awesome. You know, they won't, there won't be those questions about whether or not it's legal or uh, sketchy. I think there's going to be this giant, probably global, online gambling economy that become develops into a mature economy. Yeah, I mean, awesome. it, it, it just seems like... Th- even you know, even five years ago when it was kind of like booming or whatever, you still had a majority of the populace who who just were like, "Oh, that's illegal. I'm not. I'm not going to do that." So, like you said, I think once it becomes abundantly clear that this is 100% fine, that I, I mean, I I don't know how big a second boom would be, but it it feels like it would be. It would have to be bigger. Especially yeah, well, when you can attach, like, the WSOP name or the Harris name to it, and it's, like, it's this big thing that everything, everybody implicitly trusts, which is, you know, questionable whether you should trust the yeah. Harris name or not. But they do. You're watching Heartland Poker 2 where you're like, I could do that, and you throw your credit card down and get online and start giving me your money. That'd be great. Right. I mean, play online. Sorry, not give me your money. No one's <laughs> Right, and then you, you, but you've got, you've also got like other areas like like Zynga Poker, huge. Yeah, uh, they're on Facebook, trusted brands. And uh, aren't they looking to monetize at some point? Or what? yeah, I'm sure they will in the legal area. I mean, the legal area is what's blocking everything, what's holding everything up. Um, once those hurdles are cleared, however long that takes. I mean, even if you take the really long view and and and. Put, give it like the worst estimate you could give, which would be like ten years, say. Then, once you get past that, though, there's no impediments anymore. The world, you know, each year is getting more and more technologically advanced. The the game will keep evolving, and the you know that's just people love to gamble. That's they lo- and love to compete against each other, love to play games. So there's really I can't see any way to stop that. People love to play games of skill, is what I just heard you say. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Well, I don't think... That, yeah. Sorry, I didn't have my poker PR <laughs> face on. Well, no, I mean, along those lines, I mean, I don't see why... I mean, from my point of view, it's a... it's st- Get out of my life, I'm an adult. If I want to play roulette online, I should be able to. But I'll take just poker personally, if that's all you want to give me. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I, well, I think we'd rather there just be poker so people could lose their money at poker. Well, yeah. Not roulette. Yeah, we don't lose it when I'm losing it in the pit when they should be losing it to us. Right. But they'll have more fun playing with us. That's <laughs> right. We'll say really nice things in the chat. <laughs> um, well, along those same lines, uh, with the whole poker arc uh how how is boom the boom documentary coming along boom documentary is going really well we finished a rough cut very recently nice yeah that was a big milestone for us basically that was the first point at which we knew for sure we would be making a good movie before then there were many different points at which we thought what was we had was great what we thought we were doing was great and then very soon after, we thought it was a piece of shit. <laughs> so 
is very challenging to figure out how to weave all these storylines together and um, make for the the do justice, I guess, to the story. Really, because when I I don't want to say make a compelling story because uh, that was just there for the taking. Like the online poker story is just on paper, really good stuff. So we were lucky that we were able to pull together the skeleton of what I think will definitely blow. It'll blow the minds of anyone who's interested in poker. I think like they will love this movie. Yeah, I mean, I Not think just from seeing the rough cut, and it's only going to get better and slicker from here. But the the challenge now is. And we've gotten some good feedback from the few people that we've shown it to who don't have an interest in poker about how entertaining is this. Could this appeal to a wider audience? We've gotten some feedback, but there's still some work we need to do to make it feel... Um, it still has to feel specific. Like, this is the movie about online poker and about professional poker players. But universal in a way that it tells a story that people can relate to or at least find interesting enough to want to watch for you know 80 90 minutes yeah i mean i feel like 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 we said earlier i mean people love games and particularly i mean tons of people just love poker um even if you're not you know in the poker world quote unquote or you know have ever even thought about online poker and i just feel like like you said it's the story is just intriguing on its own merits you know, and not that it completely writes itself, but I feel like that's, I mean, I'm totally biased, obviously, but I feel like that's gotta be compelling. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is to us and it is to people we talk to about it. It's, you know, the, the way I can, I sort of describe the movie is like, you know, the rise and fall of this, uh, online poker industry, this shadow online poker industry that developed in the U S it was, on TV, all over TV. Most people who I talk to about it who don't come from the poker world, I, you know, use that as a way of sort of uh, getting them hooked on the story by because everyone's seen it on TV. It was all over television. Yeah. And you know, explaining that it grew from a small little industry to a multi-billion-dollar industry, basically within like a one to two-year span. And then it was shut down by the government, and one of the giant companies was found defrauding the players. They didn't have the money to pay them out. Um, Spoiler alert. Yeah, and this big (laughs) – yeah, then you've got events, like big events like the UIGA, where you've got like a really villainous character in Bill Friss who uh, did some – pretty messed up things for his own gains and uh the in that sense like that's just stuff that happened that is uh just really it's like a cool story that not a lot of people know about but they may know aspects of how did you find the storytelling aspect of it compared to like writing a screenplay which is like more akin to like painting a picture documentaries kind of more like carving out of like a block yeah. it was it did you like it more or less different it's different i would and i would approach it differently next time if i did a documentary again uh i think the planning 
I think we could have handled the planning differently. But in, in a lot of ways, it's just like making better guesses and understanding the guesses you have to make before you go out and shoot. We were, And to be fair, we went out intending on shooting like a cultural, social documentary about online poker players and about the evolution of poker. And then it became much bigger when Black Friday occurred. So we, we obviously couldn't plan for that. But... Um, it was. It's. I think it's harder to make a documentary than a script because a script you can just work, work and rework over and over and over again, and you can know your intentions and then just you know, work really hard on fine tuning until those intentions are expressed. But here you're at the mercy of like. Well, for one, it's actually making a movie as opposed to just writing something. If I write something, I could write something that could cost any amount of money, and I can do whatever I want. I don't have to worry about getting money or spending money to do that, and unless I want to write something and make it. But with the documentary, you have a certain amount of money, and you have to spend it wisely. And, um, you know, understanding what to spend money on and then spending that money on it, and then you've only got – we spent – we got – acquired a lot of footage, like over 300 hours of footage, interviews, character shots, just footage of locations, everything. That's a ton. And uh, for one, trying to take stuff out of that to make the best story was difficult, but also, like, we only have that footage. We can go out and shoot a little, but at the end of the day, if we didn't get the right or the best moments in that footage, then... We have to work around that. We're limited. We might have holes in the story because of that. we have to figure out and how to fill in less than ideal ways. It's just constant. I mean, in a way, it's a lot like poker. You're just making tons of decisions on limited information and constantly uh, just guessing, trying to make trying to make progress. I definitely would have thought that making a documentary would have would be easier because it comes off as like you just kind of just put a camera on the side of life. But now that you say it like that, it makes a lot of sense that it's actually much more difficult. Yeah. I mean, the best documentarians are really, they're really skilled. And, and the best documentaries are product of just like a lot of skill and a lot of luck. You have to, luck, we got lucky. I think that was the one lucky thing about Black Friday was that we were filming during it, but you have to be lucky in that you capture something like that on camera. That's dramatic. It's like Bigfoot. Yeah, Bigfoot. It's a different BF, Bigfoot. <laughs> so, well, now that, so, so you you feel like Black Friday is going to make this into a better movie overall? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's just, I think that's, I think without Black Friday, we don't have that the the big birth and demise of this industry, which, uh, in our movie, some of the themes are. We deal with like the, 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 I guess the life of professional players and that how they make their money. They and you know they, they have to understand the mathematical side of the game, but they also have to understand the emotional side of the game. And they deal with upswings and downswings. And um, Tommy Angelo is in it in some scenes that are really great, and he talks about. How, you know, I, I think like he best expresses kind of the themes in that, you know, time goes on no matter what, 
here. It's a long run game. You have to just proceed with a level head and adapt and adjust, things like that. I think so, like, that message, which is very specific to poker players, is also, uh, it's mirrored in that big overall story about, like, the the birth of the the four big sites and and then the, uh, all the leading through the UIGA to Black Friday. Yeah, I wasn't even really around online poker pre-UIGEA, so that'll actually be part of the movie that I, would, I won't be too familiar with, and I'll be interested in seeing. Yeah, one guy who I showed it to who was an online poker player said that, like, uh, he's surprised how much even he learned about the story because there's there's definitely stuff in there that you won't, um, that you'll know of, but you won't know the details of that all fill in the blanks for you. Sweet. Well, and it's it's definitely nostalgic for people who were there through uh, through the years. Well, speaking of uh, poker productions, uh, you also have a little cartoon named the Micros. How is that going? Micros. Oh well, <laughs> Micros is is going pretty well at the moment. Um. It's going well. We have a new episode coming up very soon. Sweet. And with a new sponsor. And it's for one episode, but maybe they'll sponsor us for more if it people like it and talk about it a lot. So I hope people do, and I'm going to appeal to many people to do that because I would really like to do like a real story, ongoing regular story. I think we did that to an extent with the first five episodes. I think people uh, like that. Some episodes succeeded more than others. But just knowing that we have X number of minutes to tell a story is really useful in making something that, you know, uh, making the best thing that we can possibly make, I think. I think if we had the opportunity to do, like, a nine-episode season, then... We could tell a pretty hilarious, but also, uh, you know, I suppose a real story about these three. Yeah, I guess it's kind of difficult to, to like, if you know you only have, like, one episode or two episodes, it's kind of difficult to think long-term. Yeah, I mean, we're setting up a long-term storyline in this episode, but we can't really plant things like we would with if we knew that we were guaranteed to have more. Our our goal is, is different in this one episode. It's more to like make sure that if there's new viewers we get across what all the characters are about, but you know, still uh I suppose pay respect to the first five episodes and the story stuff that they've been through and plus Black Friday. Uh, which was at the end of the last episode, they went broke and Chase went broke, vowed to go home and take poker seriously and become the best online poker player in the world as Black Friday, Black Friday announcement was playing on a TV screen. So that was kind of the last time the we did any story episodes. So this is like a year later now, and we we definitely want to be addressing... Yeah, we want to treat we treat them like real characters who have real psychology. So they're like, 
you know, we ask ourselves, what, what would they, what are their reactions to Black Friday? Like, what would they be doing just like any, any other player would be doing? Yeah. Episode one is still by far my favorite. And I, I actually went and watched that, I think a week ago. <laughs> yeah. It's the best one. It's the best one. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like, uh, I feel like writing pilots is easier for some reason for me at least, but uh, you know why that one is the best also is because this is how, what I feel. I, I have some some different thoughts on why that one's the best, but one of the big ones is that I think Chase, we do voiceover where you're in Chase's head, and that really puts you into the his mindset and helps you relate to him. Yeah. So, so that way you're kind of in the story with him when he's – making this decision in a poker hand, which is very much like a decision that any poker player has faced with, which is like getting re-raised with, uh, with Kings and flopping an ace. So, you know, I think that it's difficult to do something like that. Every episode, you have to set that up. You can't just like put them in a poker hand and try to make it dramatic. You have to, established stakes for the characters but uh that's that's one of the reasons and i I would like to go back into his head for some voiceovers i think there's a lot of potential for comedy there down the line yeah i definitely agree and do you have any sort of uh time frame i don't want to put you on the spot but for for the release of the next episode i think it's going to be out next week okay i'd be surprised if it's not out next week but if it's not out next week it's definitely going to be out the week after so the, if not then, then totally the week after that. <laughs> no, those are my ranges, though. There will be, be a catastrophe if it's not out the week after that. So you're thinking like end of April, early May at the latest, something like that. Hello? Indeed. Indeed. Oh, sorry. I think you cut Indeed. out there. Indeed. All right. So... The Badoogie All-Stars cameo that's coming up in the micros, that's what I heard. I don't know if that's just a rumor. <laughs> good I can. The, the other guys I'm partners with on the show, they're pretty brutal, though. Like, if I try to fit in, sometimes I can get away with it. So we'll see what we can do. Yeah. But, uh, you know. We're very loyal all, this all about, like They're all about, like, how many people watch this podcast. Like, Shouldn't we put the poker cast on there? Because more people watch that. More people boo, get that. Boo, boo. No. But, you know, I can, still, I can still have my way with some little things in the background. The animation team is really sick at hiding shit. <laughs> That's where uh... so you're saying there's a ton of Easter eggs? Yeah, I don't know how many Easter eggs are in this one as compared to other episodes, but there are definitely some Easter eggs. Yeah, I've always heard that John Ray guy is a jerk. Huh. <laughs> so, uh, wait, wait, wait to sweet talk our way into the cameo, by the way. Good job. <laughs> no, I, I, I met him in Vegas. He's actually really, really cool. I save. <laughs> well, I think we've established of the two of you which one is the jerk. It's not John. It's you. Um, so anything else uh, going on that you want to talk about? Anything else? I got my my blog project. That's a big thing I have going on. Um, 
I am I'm basically well I'm basically writing a screenplay on my blog. Uh I'm going through the whole process with the readers. And my thinking is that I did this before but I wasn't really open about what I was doing. Um but I posted my progress and it was probably I was most productive writing doing that. I have been not doing that. So I think the whole act of holding myself of telling people what I'm doing and then being shamed when I don't <laughs> hold my, when I'm not like accountable to that. Uh, it's really helpful for me. So, uh, and this time I, I think that I wanted to, well, a, I wanted to, I, I feel like the people who would read my blog at deuces cracked, those would be the, the people that I would want most if I'm going to be successful as a writer to, really be invested in my success early on. You know, I'd want to bring those fans slash friends slash compatriots with me on the journey. And so that's kind of why I've kept it on DC, but also because I think that DCers maybe who'd read my blog or who blogging on DC, they're kind of in a similar spot with poker where they're trying to get better and blogging about it and, uh, that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm just airing out my thoughts and ideas about writing and, um, and, uh, yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with this, but <laughs> I'm going to write something. I've got three ideas up now. I'm going to write one of them and, you know, if this is successful, maybe I'll do it again or maybe I'll do it again on a, a bigger blog and then, uh, tweet it to my Twitter legions and Facebook fans. I don't really know. Uh, I'm a little fearful about airing such unpolished writing every day just because uh, most of it is going to be shit. <laughs> most, writing, most writing is shit until you rewrite it many, many times. So, uh, But I don't mind having people in on the process. I think, I think like people are... Uh, People watch a lot of movies, read a lot, consume a lot of stories. They just, a lot of people don't really know how to articulate their thoughts on them, but uh, I think if given specific questions that they think about, they have good, good or interesting thoughts. And even if they don't, just the act of discuss, discussing anything or defending choices or whatnot, just like poker, it's helpful for your game. So that's what I'm up to there. I got, like, uh, adaptation of this Russian short story. It's like a gothic kind of horror movie with gambling and obsession. And then there's a sci-fi Adam and Eve story with hollow skin robots and, uh, like, some dark shit. And then there's, <laughs> like, I see it as, like, almost like a Coen Brothers-esque black comedy about, uh like a Vegas line cook who thinks he's going on a cooking competition show, but ends up being part of this like bizarre reality TV show experiment. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to pick probably the one that people are most interested in or that I feel like I want, I feel like the most driven to write in a few days and start developing it. Did you say a black comedy? Yeah. Not racist, though. I, uh, 
I just assumed Tyler Perry wrote all of those. No. <laughs> Gosh, wow. Yeah. That's a good response. <laughs> he doesn't read very much. He doesn't really know these sort of things. <laughs> I am reading now, though. Are there going to be pictures that. in the screen? Are there going to be pictures in the screenplay so that Tecmo can follow along? Maybe. I read recently that pictures and screenplays are a new thing, that people are including them in their scripts to try and give some sort of visual grounding for the script readers. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll put a picture on the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Just for him. Yeah. Maybe I'll put your picture on it. That That would be great. Me with a picture of cake, and then I would definitely read it. No, you wouldn't. You would just look at the cover and tell everybody about it. I consider that reading it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have any uh, plans for the World Series? Are you, are you going to be doing anything with that, or are you kind of done with it? Uh, I think I'm just going to win the main event. Okay. Yeah. So are you selling pieces since you're going to win it? No. Oh, well, that's probably no. smart. I uh, swap, swap percentages. Yeah, but don't you have to play in it to swap? Right, exactly. Damn it. I've been playing the $3 triple draw tournaments on Merge. If you want to swap some of that for the main event, we can talk. (laughs) Well, you guys could patch me. I could wear the Badoogie All-Stars patch for some sort of nominal fee. But then we'd have to figure out how to attach it to you. (laughs) $3. Three dollars. All right. Well, that's the best offer I've gotten. So far. <laughs> All right. Give me a patch and I'll wear it unless somebody uh, outbid you. <laughs> I'll give you guys an opportunity to match. Sweet. Okay. You can wear more than one patch, right? <laughs> I don't know. Jay's pretty stylish. I don't know if he really wants patches everywhere. Yeah. Our patch would be pretty stylish, though. Forehead so tattoos a... this year. <laughs> Yeah, how much did you just get our name tattooed on your arm? Would that be like five dollars? Uh six? I don't know. Six fifty? I don't know about that one. <laughs> I like how you started going up in increments of cents though. I'm being realistic with my budget. <laughs> <laughs> what how much how much full tilt money would you take? Uh, I have enough, two I have million enough dollars to take on full tilt. <laughs> Between Tecmo and I, we have enough full tilt points to buy three Bose speakers. <laughs> Does that help? Uh, depends which one. The If you guys get a sweet patch, I'll promote you. All right, sweet. Sweet. Did you guys have anything else? Uh, yeah, one last question about the uh, documentary. Have you seen... Uh, all in the the other poker documentary. What you think you of guys it? Seen it? I haven't seen it. Is it free to see? No. Oh well, then obviously That's I haven't seen it. It's in the movie theater, <laughs> and yeah. it. If you're if you like poker, which people listening to this do, it's worth seeing. If only for the story of Chris Moneymaker, where they have captured his essentially his whole main event run and the real story of Chris Moneymaker is really much more interesting than the story everyone knows because he was a huge degenerate gambler sports better and like for instance to give you uh, I won't spoil everything but to give you a sense of just how degenerate he was 
he was like, I don't know, he's like 6K in debt for sports betting or something like that. And so he tried to lose the main event qualifier because the place that he was going to come in by just intentionally losing would pay out 6K so he could pay off his debt. And it took like, it took a buddy calling him up and being like, no, 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 what are you doing? You got to try to win. It's going to be awesome if you go to main event. I'll buy half. And so he goes on, he wins the satellite, obviously. And then, but then his buddy loses the money he was going to use to buy half sports Oof. betting. Wow. So he has to go out to Vegas. Um, he ends up getting staked by like his father and friend immediately takes that money to, or he sells a piece, sorry, to his father and friend immediately takes that money to like, uh, bet on sports right when he gets to Vegas. So that's a, his, his sports addiction, sports betting addiction, degenerate gambling habits. He's very open about that. And that was a big part of his, his story as he tells it. I wonder if he coached Eric Lindgren. Maybe. <laughs> Never know where these habits come from. But, well, I just heard uh, something in that story about him paying people back, so probably not. <laughs> oh, snap. The, the movie itself is not a very good movie. Where can you find uh, it? Do you know? What? Do you feel... <laughs> It'll be on iTunes soon. Okay. Do you feel like that kind of, you know, people have already seen the poker documentary, so they won't give Boom as much of a shot? Or do you think it's just a completely different audience? Um, it's the same audience, but I think I don't think people are going to love this movie. And I, it doesn't cover our story. Like, there's very little overlap in the stories. They get to online poker at, like, the end of the movie, and it's, like, tacked on and done very poorly, treated very poorly. Like, their movie, I would say, is, like, a, an old-school live poker player's love letter to the glory days of old school road gamblers and table poker. You know, there's a big part about rounders in there. It's sort of like a love letter to that. And ours is the online poker movie. You know, it's much more modern and it's about online poker. Okay. Nice. Solid. All right. Well, I want to thank you, Jay, for coming on. Absolutely. Um, NP, guys, NP. (laughs) And we're going to get ready and throw it to Mitch's Minute now. Cool. You enjoy that minute. Hey, this is Mitch's Minute, put at the end of the podcast with the porn music intro. This week, I'm covering the metric system and America's struggle to adopt it. Now, when I was preparing this, I had the idea of setting out the reasons why the metric system is superior, going through the history of America attempting to institute metrication and the reasons why it failed, but this all felt a little bit silly. It's obvious that the imperial system has been superseded by the metric system. Just as we don't use cubits or hands from the ancient Egyptians, we also no longer have a use for inches or feet. And... It's not a big deal, but it does matter. There's an economic cost, and as a rational person, I feel embarrassed that a first world country still uses an outdated and inefficient system. With the uprising of science and secular morality in America to combat creationism and other issues, I think it would be perfect to add metrication, which is a word, to their agenda. So that's Mitch's Minute, and I couldn't think of a metric pun to finish on.
All right. Thank you, Mitch, for that classic Mitch's Minute. And thank you to TJ for the Hugging the Rail segment. And a big thanks to our guest, Jason Rosencrantz, for providing a great interview. And another thanks to my friend John Thomas Griffith for the music we've been using. Uh, Griffith.com. He's on iTunes. Check him out. Really good guy. Um, you can check us out on Facebook. At, I'm going to do this anyway, even though we have a new website. I was going to say, wasn't the whole point of the website not no, so we didn't have I to do it? No, I want to do it. Now it's just fun. All right. So you can go to our website at badoogieallstars.com and then follow along, as I say, facebook.com slash badoogieallstars. We're <laughs> Allstars on Twitter. Um, we're probably on Google+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> we're on Friendster. Um, again, Mitch's website, uh, mitchesminute.angelfire.com. <laughs> Our next guest is going to be Zach Elwood, who is the author of the recently released book, Reading Poker Tells. So with that, I'm 2-4 Offsuit. Nixon the Grouch. And Tecmo Super Bowl. See you guys in two weeks.